Welcome to the Proper Lookout Podcast, published by the Statutory Insurance Group of McCabe Kerwood. In this series, our CTP experts will discuss a range of topics, sharing their thoughts on an industry trend or an intriguing legal issue, explaining the intricacies of an important case, and hopefully imparting some of the knowledge that they have gained. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Proper Lookout Podcast. This is Helen Huang from the Statutory Insurance Team, and I am here today with Hamira Hadiri. Hi, Helen. Welcome back. Thank you. So what are we talking about at today's podcast? Okay, so all of you would have heard uh, part one about what NDIS is, which is the National Disability Insurance Scheme. We're here today to talk about part two. We'll be discussing how does NDIS seek recovery and the process. Thanks, Helen. So how does NDIS seek recovery? So under Section 109 of the National Disability Insurance Scheme Act 2013, NDIS is entitled to seek recovery of any payments made by the scheme. And that applies even if the participant has a personal injury claim arising, whether it be from a motor vehicle accident, a work injury damages claim or a public liability claim. So NDIS uses the power under that section to seek recovery. How does NDIS usually seek recovery? Do they usually issue a notice on the insurer? How does it usually work? I know in relation to Medicare and Centrelink, we usually send the notice out to them once the matter settles. That's how they usually recover. But how does NDIS? um... That's a good question. Actually, it's a very similar process. Obviously, with Centrelink, you send off the request after the matter has settled, whereas with NDIS, they send you the notice before it settles or usually they should put the insurer on notice before. So NDIS seeks to recover by issuing a preliminary notice, and that's usually under Section 9 of the Act. So When a participant or a prospective participant makes a claim for compensation against another person, which usually is the insurer, NDIS issues a preliminary notice to the insurer or to the potential compensation payer. So basically it's very similar to Centrelink in terms of how their notices are structured. It's essentially just a notice that will be titled a preliminary notice and it'll be from NDIS to the insurer. What is the effect of that first notice? I know in, again, similar to that in Medicare and Centrelink, we usually get a Medicare notice of charge. And then with Centrelink, we obviously know the injured person may be in receipt of uh, Centrelink payments. But how does the NDIS the, the first notice usually works? Well, NDIS, the way the preliminary notice works is that 
it suspends the liability or the possible liability of the insurer to pay compensation to the participant. So essentially it puts a stop on the insurer to pay. So the preliminary notice has effect and their power under Section 114 of the Act. So it suspends the liability of the insured to pay compensation to the participant. Thanks, Helen. When can the NDIS issue that first notice? So they can issue that notice at any time, essentially, all they need to do is they need to give written notice to the insurer. In that notice, it needs to say NDIS may wish to recover an amount from the insurer. The notice will have to outline the participant's name and what the claim relates to all that is contained under Section 109 of the Act. So how does NDIS usually calculate the amount they want to recover from an insurer? Essentially, it's the total amount that's being paid to the participant. So anything that's been provided for treatment or domestic assistance or any other payments made to the participants. So essentially it is the entire sum that the participant has received. It does not appear that the recoverable amount is discounted or will be discounted. Section 106 and Section 107 of the NDIS is quite clear on it being the total amount that the participant has received. And one more thing to mention as well, when an insurer receives a notice, the amount specified in that notice becomes an actual debt due to the National Disability Insurance Agency and that falls under Section 111, Subsection 7. So, from my interpretation, my reading of it, the NDIS appears to be very strict in their recovery of the entire amount that's been paid to the participant. So what is the consequences of failing to comply with that first notice? Under the Act, um, NDIS stipulates that the insurer essentially commits an offence when they don't pay the amount of compensation or the uh, amount of recovery back to NDIS. Obviously, that's a very strict interpretation. It doesn't specifically specify what type of offence it is, but if you delve deeper into it, it's It's obviously in the Act to prevent insurers from repaying the amount. There is a section in the Act that addresses what the offence is and it states 12 months imprisonment or a fine of 60 penalty units or both. I can't say there's actually been any insurer 
off the top of my mind that's been classified as an offender by the NDIS at these early stages of the scheme, but they do have the power to issue a uh, fine or place the insurer under imprisonment. Which seems a bit harsh. <laughs> so intense. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Can the NDIS revoke a notice? Good question. So Section 114 of the Act states that the CEO of the National Disability Insurance Agency can actually revoke any preliminary notice issued or reduce the recovery as part of their discretion. Obviously, discretion is a very wide word and it's going to be very difficult to gauge how the CEO will exercise his or her discretion in reducing the recovery part. What about reduction for contributory negligence if there is an allegation? Well, that's actually a good point, and that comes to the main issue in terms of NDIS recovery. Obviously, you have matters where liability is denied and or matters where an insurer has alleged contrib neg. The usual circumstance is that damages are reduced by the assessment of contrib neg. NDIS has the power or ultimately the discretion to reduce the recovery amount for contributory negligence. However, they're not very clear in terms of whether that is the usual practice across the board for all the participants' claims. As I mentioned earlier, usually it's up to the CEO's discretion on reducing the amount. Obviously, we haven't seen a lot of cases or a lot of matters where this has happened. I obviously have a matter going on at the moment where we're trying to seek confirmation from NDIS to reduce the payback by the figure for Contribneg that we've agreed upon. But there's no hard and fast rule. And I think even though Section 106 and 107 of the Act allows for the repayment to be reduced, NDIS seem to say settle the matter first and then we'll deal with it later, which isn't really helpful for the insurer or the participant. But generally speaking, there is section 106 and 107 that does assist in reducing the recovery payback. Thanks, Helen. To just quickly summarise, and you can help me out with this, So under Section 109 of the National Disability Insurance Scheme, NDIS is entitled to seek recovery from the insurer? Yes, that's correct. So they use uh, Section 109 to issue a preliminary notice to the insurer, notifying them that they will seek a recovery or potentially will seek a recovery. And that that notice needs to be in writing. Yes, so that all needs to be in writing. Um, Usually it will be addressed to the insurer. And the notice usually details the name 
Yes, so um, the notice should outline the participant's name, what it relates to, and the total amount. And in addition to that, under Section 106 and 107 of the Act, the repayments may be reduced by the NDIS? Yes, so under, obviously, there's a part in the Act that deals with recovery amounts being reduced for contrib neg. However, there's no hard and fast rule on how that's done. We discussed earlier that it's ultimately up to the CEO exercising his or her discretion to reduce the amount. So ultimately what would be preferable is that the amount should be reduced by whatever figure is assessed for contribneg by the insurer, but that's not made abundantly clear in the legislation or in actual practice. Thanks, Helen. Thanks, everyone. Um, Hopefully you all enjoyed part two of NDIS and learnt something new. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Proper Lookout podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. For more information on anything discussed, please contact Peter Hunt at peter.hunt at mccabecurwood.com.au or visit our website to see McCabe Kerwood's full team of specialists.